We're going beyond the whistle with the first Beyond the Whistle Coaches Roundtable. Our roundtablers are Kevin Sutton, assistant coach at Rhode Island, and Randolph Childress, associate head coach at Wake Forest. This was the most fun I've had in my time podcasting. It's a conversation with three friends about our high school coach, mentorship, fatherhood, leadership, COVID-19, of course, and more. And if you are a basketball coach and would like to be on a future Coaches Roundtable episode, drop me an email at odell at mccantsports.com. That's odell at mccantsports.com. You can also find my email address in the show notes. Coaches Roundtable episodes will be panels of two to four coaches from men's and women's basketball from programs of all levels to discuss topics impacting the profession of coaching. I look forward to having you on a future episode of Beyond the Whistle. listening to Beyond the Whistle, the podcast that takes basketball coaches beyond the X's and O's to help you grow your network, make a plan for your career, and maximize your influence. Beyond the Whistle is brought to you by McCant Sports, a career management and consulting firm for college basketball coaches. Learn more at McCantSports.com. Welcome to Beyond the Whistle. I'm your host, Odell McCants, and thank you for listening. This is a special episode and the first of more to come. It's Beyond the Whistle Coaches Roundtable. And our first roundtablers are two very special guys. Rhode Island assistant coach Kevin Sutton, who I will now call a Beyond the Whistle regular, and Wake Forest associate head coach Randolph Childress, making his first appearance here on Beyond the Whistle. Gentlemen, welcome to Beyond the Whistle Coaches Roundtable edition. So first thing I have to ask is how are you guys feeling? Um, for me, I, I'm, I'm feeling very well. Uh, my weight is down and Randolph would tell you that, you know, during the season, your, your weight kind of fluctuate, but my weight is stabilized. I'm eating better, uh, eating, obviously eating at home a lot more, uh, from the physical standpoint, doing some, you know, some yoga, uh, with my family and my young daughter and some low impact and doing a lot of push-ups and sit-ups. So from a physical standpoint, I'm, I'm doing extremely well, um, and then also from an emotional standpoint, continue to, you know, be doing to continue to do well as, a, as well. Yeah, it's probably the most important part, the emotional standpoint. Now, Randolph, when we last saw you, man, you were in a sling. How, how are you doing these days? Yeah, I was just about to say I'm a little better. I mean, this is, you know, unable to uh, I'll, I'll find out today. I'll do some video with the with the trainer, the doctor to see where I am. Um, I, I'm going to. You know, I'm going to do a video conference and, and extend some rehab and see where I am, where I'm supposed to be. I guess he'll let me know. But I feel pretty good. I mean, I don't have my full range of motion. I don't have all my strength, but I'm out of the sling. Uh, I'm able to have normal activities, but I, I do lack strength. And, uh, you know, but but again, uh, compared to most, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I'm, I'm pretty active regularly and working out. So that that's kind of, you know, hurt me from that. But I, I, I could be in better shape. But uh I feel great, and, and mentally, I, um, I, I'm i doing fantastic. Yeah, now look, we're all getting old, man. Do you mind sharing us what exactly happened, Randolph? <laughs> Same thing you just said. We're getting old, man. <laughs> you know what? I um, I think I heard it lifting weights, and it's funny because I had all the, the – you know, I had my issues in the shoulder surgery with my left shoulder when I was in college playing, and I had multiple surgeries on my left shoulder, no issues on my right, and uh, just – 
it was bothering me and I kept working out and kept lifting weights and trying different things and training and it got worse and worse. And, um, it, it got so bad. I got used to dealing with pain, I guess. And I went to the doctor and said, Hey, you got to take a look inside and tell me what's going on. This, this is bad now. And when I went, he said, you got your money's worth. You tore your rotator cuff and your bicep tendon. Oh man. And you had a large tear. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I knew then, like, here we go. And he said, I, you know, you have to have surgery right away because ideally I wanted to push it till after the season. He said, no, we got to do it right away because if 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 there's no – the ligament isn't attached, you will never regain your strength. So if I, if I can find some – he said, I didn't see it, but maybe there's some there that we can reattach it. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to do it. And so we did it. And now I wanted to hit you up because the first game I saw, you tried to still coach in the suit, and then I saw you go to the sweatsuit, man. Uh, yeah, man, listen. <laughs> so, you know, I tried. I had the surgery. The first game was just brutal. I mean, I, literally, I had the surgery on Wednesday, on a Wednesday, and we played on a Saturday. And so when I tell you guys, I don't I, I don't remember anything about the game. I mean, I'm going to I had to shoot. I can see it on your face, man. I was man. so restricted. It was pulling my shirt out of my pants. I could – I mean, it, it, I looked I looked bad. It was just a bad look. And then I finally – the doctor looked at me and said – he said, listen, don't – don't just just wear a pullover or, or, or any type of shirt. You can't, you can't wear that coat and tie. And uh, I went to Danny, and Danny said, man, be comfortable. Like, you can't – there's no way you can function that. You look uncomfortable. Uh, travel and everything was just really, really tough for me that first couple of weeks. So you guys are very special to me because we're all alums of Flint Hill School where we yeah. played for legendary coach Stu Vetter. And for you, Kevin, you actually uh, played for and got to coach with mm-hmm. uh, Coach Vetter, including uh, coaching Randolph. So I know he's one of your living trophies. And Absolutely. what was it like coaching Randolph and being with Randolph back back in high school? Can you share that with us with him on, on uh, the line here too? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, all three of us are very fortunate enough to, to have the opportunity to play at Flint Hill and play for, you know, Coach Vetter. You, like you said, he is a legendary coach. Um, he's a Hall of Fame coach, um, and he instilled in all three of us uh, a, a tremendous amount of values uh, that we still have in our lives today and that we share with our families. So we're very blessed to have that opportunity. Um, yeah, it, Randolph is my firstborn. <laughs> That's what I tell everybody, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, and and it's funny because they, they, as parents, you, we all know that we're not supposed to, uh, you know, play favorites. But I, I make it really clear to everybody that that this this that he's my firstborn. And and the reason why is um, we had truly, and it sounds like a cliche, uh, but it isn't. It, it really happened. We had an instant connection, um, and I can just see it right now in in my mind's eye, I um, came up to, uh, to to school, up to Flint Hill. Coach said we had a workout. A young man was coming over from Gwen Park, you know, high school. He wanted me to work him out. And he had been highly recommended um, by George Leftwich, who was a legendary coach in the, in the Washington, D.C. area, to play with Archbishop Carroll with John Thompson, Jr. Um, and so they had, from Gwen Park, and he, they had just won the, the, the state championship. But uh, this, this young man was coming over by the name of Randolph Childress. And I remember vividly that when soon as he came in the gym and uh, put on his sneakers and then we went straight to, to work, I, I knew he was special. I mean, I, I really did. I remember vividly when we went, he was a very good listener and he could follow instructions and he picked up things very quickly. And I remember going through our shooting routine uh, that he that, that 
that I still do today. And we laugh because he still uh, does it with his players at Wake Forest, the same exact routine. And I remember looking over at Coach Vetter with, with, with my eyes bugged out saying, you know, this, you know, basically, you know, nonverbal saying that this kid is special. And uh, he, he proved me 100% right. We went through the workout. He, uh, you know, dominated the workout. As, as a matter of fact, he dominated the workout. And uh, and then after it was over, we sat down and we talked. And I and I, I learned right then and there that he was so much more than just a, uh, uh, you know, a, a young man that wanted to play basketball, that there was something to his character. He was highly motivated. He made eye contact when you when you were talking to him. You know, and then he always had insightful questions. And, and I've come to learn um, uh, that you can tell how intelligent a person is by the questions that they ask. Absolutely. And um, so with that being said, um, yeah, I, we had an instant connection and we we still are, are connected. And I, I and we laugh because we talk every day. <laughs> but yeah, he's my firstborn. I can attest to that story. He does. I've had, I I can't tell you how many people has come up to me and said, Hey, Kevin Sutton was talking about you. He was speaking out in Vegas. He was speaking here and he says you're his firstborn. And I start laughing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. We we got, we got a history here. And, and, you know, on the court, when I see all this stuff that Steph Curry does, I think I shared this with you once Randolph. I tell people, man, Randolph was doing that stuff way before Steph Curry. Am I right, Kevin? You know what he, he was. I mean, <laughs> you know, no, no, nothing against Steph, but I mean, you know, Randolph was just doing some things. Uh, uh, you know, back then that, that were just, you know, sometimes I just shook your head. And I, and I and I I feel very confident in saying saying this next statement. Um, as much as I think I made him a better player, uh, he made me a, a better coach. And then I want to just share one story. Uh, we were playing in, 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 a, in a summer league, uh, the Eddie Saw Summer League, and it was up at UDC. And it was all the top teams in the Washington, D.C. area at the time. Carroll High School, who had Lawrence Moten, Sam. It, uh, um, they had uh, Charlie Harrison. Um, they had Ben Stevens. You know, uh, they had a really good team. DeMatha had Kenny Blakeney, and you just could go on and on and on. And, uh, and we were talented, too. We had Randolph, and we had Corey Alexander, and we had Mark Ward, you know, Marlon Williams, you know, and, and a lot of young players, Serge Wicker and Jeremy Dean, that end up playing Division One basketball. Um, but it was just Randolph made me a better player because we were playing in the semifinal game. And Mark Ward had stayed in the, back in Roanoke and missed his his his, his uh, transportation back to the game. Um, Corey Alexander didn't play quite well and ended up fouling out. And uh, so Randolph comes running over to me on the sideline, and he looks at me and he said, "What are we gonna do?" Like that, I said, "You tell me what we're gonna do." Just like that, and he he said, "Put him in, put him in, and put him in." It was uh, Marlon Williams, Jeremy Dean, and. Um, Donnie Douglas uh, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the the last two, Jeremy Dean and no, I'm sorry, all three of those guys were on my JV team, uh, and and I said, okay, well, you three go in, and uh, and lo and behold, Randolph end up, we end up winning the, the the championship, we end up winning that game and going on to the championship, and uh, it was just a, it was foreshadowing of things to come because that's the exact same thing that he did when he went to Wake Forest and they won the uh, um, the ACC tournament, he stood up in that huddle in the first, uh, that, that first television timeout and told Dave Odom who to sub in and sub out. I just turned to Coach Vetter. We looked at each other and said, we've seen this before. And uh, 
but yeah, he made me, he, he gave, he instilled in me a, a great deal of confidence. And so, you know, every game that, that since then, every game that I've gone into, I, I've always felt that we were going to win, especially, you know, the games that I was, you know, the head coach, I, I just, uh, we're going to win. I mean, we're, we're going to play hard. We're going to compete. We're always going to be prepared. And uh, if it got close, we were going to win because hell, that's what we did all the time. You know, going back to that, it's funny. I, uh, the, the, you know, Steph is, is obviously an all time, an all time great. I, I think the comparisons so people that are listening would understand. The one thing I, I, I will say, I understand the comparisons because of this. Most of the guys who grew up playing, they could be great. They're, they're either great with the ball or sometimes they're great without the ball. And we worked on doing both very well. So it allowed me to play. I was just a player back then. It was like, all right, you need me to play point. All right, I'm playing point. Uh, if I'm off the ball, I need to play off the ball. Movement off the ball. Like, and, and it's, it's, it seems that way because it's like a lost art. And Steph is one of the few guys that, that, that does that as the point guard position, you know, today. You know, I asked, I've asked some of the guys here, you know, Chris to Ish to, to some of the guys who – had to guard Steph, and they're like, man, he's nonstop movement. He's the hardest guy to guard. And I always think back to when we were in that Flint Hill gym, running around trash cans and, and moving without the ball, and then it, it wasn't just – so, I, you know, credit to the coaches. I mean, we all talked about Coach Vetter and those guys, but I learned to play with the ball, and I learned to play without the ball. And it gave me flexibility to be successful with no matter who, who I had on the court. And I think that was the great. I'm sorry, wh- why do you think that's lost in today's game? Because most guys don't know how to play without the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the problem. I think I think it's it's the most guys don't know how to play without the ball. And you learn, you know, you get to watch an NBA and you get to watch and, and not understanding how special and elite those players are. But guys working to do little things without the ball, is, is, it is a lost art because most guys don't learn how to play until they get the ball in their hands because that's all they train. Yeah, and 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 that's to to Randolph's point is exactly right. That that's all that they're trained how to do is to play with the ball. And those coaches and trainers are not teaching, you know, how to get open, how to set your man up, how to, you know, move. And once you make one cut and you don't get the ball, you got to make another cut. You can't just stand and stop and just continue to beg for the ball. They, they're not teaching people how to you know, do all the other things that you have to do in order to get open and play and without the basketball, you know, because a lot of it is because they train, you know, one person in a, in a workout, you know, yeah. and so they just, everything is just centered around them and the, and the ball. Um, but what Randolph and I were, were doing and, and, you know, when back when he was a junior in high school and, you know, he would he would come to school early. I mean, and then he didn't live around the block. You know, he would, uh, uh, you know, lived over in Clinton, Maryland, over in PG County. And, and I used to pick him up at the, the, the East Falls Church Metro Station. And then we would come in in the school and he's right. We would put down trash cans and we started off, you know, oh, we had the trash cans upside. We'd empty the trash cans out upside down and we'd have them on the floor. And then as he got 
continue to get better and start understanding, you know, what, a, why am I backdoor cutting? You know, why am I fade cutting? Why am I curl cutting? Then we just start putting the trash cans out there with trash in it. And then I challenge him to, you know, if you, you knock the trash can over, you got to pick the trash up. Oh and so man. Then, and then, so, so from, from a conceptual standpoint, he, un, he, his, you could see in his mind that he knew I got to get close to the screen, but I can't, you know, knock the trash can over or knock the screener over. I got to get my man on the screen. I got to put my man on the screen. So he learned how to move, you know, almost like a skier in, in a, on a slalom course. He knew how to get so close to the trash can, so, which, which, which we would say would be a screener or a defender. Um, and, he, and, and it just translated and it carried over into his game, you know. And, and, uh, and, but, but those are the type of things that are not being taught and they're not being taught at a, such a high level, to like what Randolph said, because the kids are just taught how to play basketball with the basketball. And, you know, going back to, to Flint Hill, you know, we, we hear the phrase coaching tree referenced to college coaches a lot. But uh, I would I would challenge anybody to find a high school coach who has a coaching tree like Coach Vetter's. And, and he, here, here's a list uh, for our listeners. Uh, you, you two, present company uh, first as well as Nate James, associate head coach at Duke, uh, Levi Watkins, assistant coach at Ole Miss, uh, George Lynch, who I just had on episode uh, 23, uh, Cameron Dollar, a former head coach at uh, Seattle University and now assistant coach at the University of Washington, uh, David Atkins, assistant coach with the Washington Wizards and a former national championship uh, coach, uh, University of Maryland women's team, and even Alan Stein, who's a former coach of Stu Vetter's uh, with Stu Vetter, and then coach at DeMatha, and and Alan is, is a great uh, skills trainer, as we know, and has pivoted to a great motivational speaking uh, career. And and I may have left anyone off. I may I may have, yeah, I may have I, left someone off too. Can I add a couple more? Uh, uh, Please do. You know, to that, um, you got Dan Preet, who's uh, the head coach over at uh, Bishop Walsh High School. Um, and, you know, you got. Um, Matt Johnson, who uh, and, 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 you know is a the strength and conditioning coach out at uh, you know, Butler University, and he's you know fantastic at at that. Um, and so you know, coaches, you know, coaching tree. You got Rico Hines, who works with the Sacramento oh, that's right. Kings. That's right. Um, you know, Rico. I mean, and then coaches, Coach Vetter's coaching tree is definitely you know, I, 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 he, it's a redwood tree. <laughs> yeah. So, so what what do you all attribute that to? Um, I attribute it to, to this, um, and I, and I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, one, when I was playing for coach Vetter, he, uh, um, gave us all a great deal of, uh, of responsibility. Uh, he used to run, you know, camps, um, and I was 17 years old and I had a, a, a route where I had to, um, bring, get the, bring the campers to the camp. And then I had to take them home like I was a bus driver. Uh, our whole starting five, you know, David Atkins, John Sickles, you know, Derek Sims, all of us, we had, that was our responsibility. We had to drive the kids to, to, to camp at 17, 18 years of old age. And then we had to work the camp. Um, and then we had to drive them back. And then we had to be back up there for, for practice. And so, and it just carried over to when I started to work, you know, with him. He would just give you tremendous opportunities to to grow, and then he would 
help educate you um, on, hey, you did this really, really well. Um, I think you could have done this better. That was terrible what you just did. And, 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 it, and it helped you, you know, and he did it in such a way as, as a teacher. Um, both of you know, uh, we ran, he ran, he ran college level practices, but he gave his assistants a great deal of opportunity to grow. Um, and then for, and then in the summertime, uh, I was the coach of the team, you know, Randolph will tell you, I, I, I set up the practices, uh, whatever drills we were supposed to do. I was calling timeouts. I was, you know, driving the bus to the, you know, the, the, the team bus, you just, yeah, unbelievable responsibility. I ran, you know, preseason and postseason workouts. He would sit in the stands and, you know, drink his Coke and talk to all the college coaches. And I was out on the floor, um, running, the, running the workout. So, at a very young age, I was given a tremendous amount of opportunity for, for growth. And and I'm where I am today because of those opportunities that he gave me. I'll even I'll even add to that. And this, the only thing I will say differently, Coach Sutton, is when he got upset, you knew about it. <laughs> yes. And he made no <laughs> yeah. mistake about that, buddy. He, 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 could give you, he could give you a nice butt chewing when he got yeah. pissed. My goodness. Yep. Any point, anywhere, it didn't matter. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I'll say this to you. This this year with Brandon, it, it's so ironic we're talking about this. I was I was telling Brandon one time, I said, man, I remember in high school one time we were playing National Christian Academy, and Coach was looking over at me to call a play, and I wasn't looking at him, and I was running my mouth <laughs> over here, and he lit me up in that gym. Parents there in front of I mean, he was at half court chewing me out. And I felt like I shrunk. Every word he said, I just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. Like I was trying to disappear on the court. And I'm telling you guys, as God is my witness, 30 seconds later, we, my phone rings and it's him. And I had just, and I put him on the phone with my son. And I said, hey, I said, coach, you would not believe the story I was just telling my son about it. But, but piggybacking off what you said, it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just part of, of the players. Yeah. Um, he coaches and stuff. He did that with his players. Um, he put a tremendous amount of responsibility even on his players because he taught you a lot. And particularly for me as a lead guard, yes, it would be you have to learn what's going on. You need to know what everybody else is doing. You need to know what's some foul trouble. You need to know. So when I left for huddle, I knew there were multiple plays I needed to run. Now, obviously, he would always look and say he wanted to call something special. But I always knew he would remind me, hey, Kevin Sutton, on you got two fouls. Or, or you know, so-and-so is guarding George. They got three fouls. Let's get George going the ball. All right? You know, last time you called this, called – like, he, he taught – he would let you – give you the rope and allow you to learn and obviously would correct you when you didn't. Uh, and, and just like you said, he ran it like a CEO. And and, and I think the, the most successful coaches run things like that. It allows everyone to grow when you do that as opposed to the buck stops with them and they kind of, you know, hands-on and do everything and, and – and, and I think that's why he has such a large coaching tree and, and, and so much success amongst his players. I mean, he's coached also some, you know, you know, he's talent, he's coached some talented players as well. So Randolph, you, you mentioned Brandon and you just completed a season that was uh, Brandon's senior year and right. what a development he had in his game in his four years at, at wake. Um, and I want to get into the experience of coaching your son, but mm -hmm. first uh, take us back to his recruiting process. And what was that like as a dad, but who's also a dad who's a college coach? It's always simple for me. I'm, I'm a dad. You know, I, I, I love being a dad. I love being a parent. Um, 
you know, I love being a husband. You know, it's just um, so for me with Brandon, it was easy. It, it, you know, when he got to a point that ACC school started recruiting and I was we were honest about it. I said, listen, you're going to be able to go wherever you want to go. You know, I'm not going to force you and say you got to come and, and play for me. You know, be you know, honest. And it's funny. There was there was only two schools I was ever worried about. Georgetown, because we grew up home. And he, Georgetown was one, and wherever Coach Sutton was, those were the only. <laughs> and I was going to ask if you come those were the Kevin, you only know? two people that that I knew I had to worry about. And I, <laughs> if I saw him on the phone with Coach Sutton, I'm like, um, oh, <laughs> like, and, and, and you know, those were the only schools that I really was worried about. And, and so, uh, you know, and he, and that's his recruitment picked up, and you realized, you know, what he could be. Um, I remember, you know, other schools actually helped me. I remember Sanchez, who's now at the University of Charlotte, was at uh, Virginia at the time and said, is Brandon coming to you guys? Because if not, I'm going to offer him right now. I'll take him at UVA. And uh, Roy Williams went into the Carolina gym, to his high school gym, and he says, I'm not wasting my time with you because you're going to play with your dad. That accelerated the process of him coming awake. And he understood it because then I had to explain to him how it worked from the coach's side. Like, hey, we're not into wasting our time. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, that's where it's different. You guys are into collecting offers mm-hmm. and collecting and collecting offers and tweeting and talking about it. We're into the we're into the one that loves us back. We're into the one that loves us first. So yeah. that, that's that's how it works. So, you know, it, it helped us because I was able to explain to him him uh, how the process worked from the other side. And the big, the, I think the biggest line I told him was, I said, hey, we're going to take one point guard in your class. It's either going to be you or it's going to be someone else. If the first person that says they want it, doesn't matter, I'm your coach. Or you mean I'm your dad or not. You can't come here. And then afterwards, I think he thought about it, and then he made his final decision. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't spend much time recruiting him. I mean, he was around the campus enough that the other assistants, uh, Woodbury and Coach Manning, and those guys recruiting him, spent time with him. He, 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 he knew enough about it. But uh, – but watching his growth was just uh, – it was special to me. And when you put so much time into this, the hours and the time you, you put into this, it's special when you're able to have your family with you because they're the ones who lack so much time. I mean, these are long – you know, coaching collegiate sports is a long – it's a long grind. And your family is as is, is, is much a part of the journey as we are. And, and their, their sacrifices allow us to, to do it. And, and, and so having that extra time with him made it special. You know, I never thought about it that way. It's kind of like having a family business, you know, and I, I know business owners, they always say when, when their kids are involved in the family, it's great to it to be there with them and see right. them, you know, and, and to spend that time together instead of it being something off, you know, in the distance and kids right. looking at it as something that, okay, it, it took my parent away from me, right. Right. Uh, you know? Hey, oh, I, I want to add something uh, uh, to that, you know, uh, you know. Randolph, he said he said it, and he and he and he lives it out that he's always wanted to be a parent and enjoys being a parent. Okay, I can remember being at Stu Vetter's basketball camp and him running up to me and letting me know that he was about to, you know, he his girlfriend at the time, who ended up being his his, his wife, okay, was pregnant with his first child, and I remember. Him looking me in the, in the in the eye, and I said, All right, "Congratulations, are you ready?" And he said, "I am." And I and I knew right then and there that he was going to be a committed parent, and he was going to raise his child 
okay, to 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 grow up to be a man. And then so we speed the clock up. He's still playing. OK. And then he uh, uh, he has to go overseas and, and build his career. And Brandon is growing older. And I would check in all the time to make sure Brandon was doing fine. I would always ask him, how's Brandon? How's the relationship? Oh, they've been over this 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 month. They're coming back over next month. He always had his family close to him because they were that important. And every move that he made was not about himself. It was to put himself in a position and put his family in a position, okay, to have the life, okay, that, that he had always wanted to have for them. Then his playing days ended, and I'm the head coach at Montverde Academy. He brings Brandon down, and then Brandon's a little kid, and he's telling me how much he loves the game of basketball. And I go work him out, and Randolph sits on the side, and we're he's just chuckling because I put Rand, uh, put Brandon right through the same drills I put his dad through. But I talked to Brandon for a long time because I wanted him to understand that when his father wasn't there physically, his father was always there in every other way. And everything that he did was going to, what he did was in preparation for this. Now that he's retired, he's going to be a part of your life. Okay. And on a daily basis, if this is what you want to become, Allow him to pour into you, okay? And he did. And the last thing that I'll share in this story, Brandon's very last game of his high school career, Randolph and I are in the stands, and we are both emotional because to see this son of a gun do the things that he's done, it's amazing. But it's all because Randolph has always wanted to be Brandon's father first, and then later on, he said, "I, you know, I, I, I you're, you're talented enough for, for me to be your coach, and you can just see it." And, and, and I sent it. I send them pictures all year long. Um, my favorite time is when I was at Pittsburgh, and we all were together at, um, you know, right before the game, and, and they took a picture of Randolph, Brandon, and me. And the end of that story is Brandon. Brandon goes down and makes two free throws, and they win. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, and, and, and oh, you're you not gonna do that again, are you, Kevin? <laughs> you know what? The funny about it, what really made it funny was they were fouling us, and we were going yes. back and forth. And they, you know, guys are missing, guys are making free throws. And then when they fouled Brandon, it was kind of like, oh. I was like, thank you. He was like, you know what? <laughs> like, like, I know he's gonna make a foul. Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hey, oh, 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 I was in our huddle. They were like, we're going to foul children. I was like, absolutely not. I was like, no. I was like, no. I said, foul anybody else. I said, no, that's, you can't. No, he's just a freshman. I was like, he's a freshman. No. I was like, yeah, foul him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He, hey, and, uh, and, oh, he walked up to the free throw line like, really? Like, like, are y'all for real? And then and he, and he made them. And then after the game was over, he said, "Sorry, Uncle Kev." I said, "Don't you apologize?" Yeah, yeah, you did. Said, Don't he you did. apologize? Yeah. Oh that's, man, that's what you. That's what that was exactly yeah. what you were supposed to do. I was yeah. like, "Oh my God, not him!" <laughs> wow. So 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 Randolph. So Brandon comes to Wake, and you and 
when I look at it, I mean, you've got multiple dynamics here. So your father, um, mm-hmm. assistant coach, but also you're not the head coach and your right. son is on the team. Right. So what was that? Uh, can you share with us what that dynamic adding, you know, Danny to the mix, who's the boss, you know, um, and what was that kind of, I guess, triangular relationship, if you will? What, what was that like? You know what? It's easy. You can think it's complicated, but I always say when you get in those situations, you know, you just simplify it and it was easy. Whenever we were on the court, you know, I'm his coach and Danny's the head coach. So it, it's, it's just it's just simple. That's, that dynamic didn't change no matter who was who was there or, or who was around head coach. And, and he's my boss and, he's, and this is his program. And um, so when, when we left the court, I was dead. Now, initially, that was a struggle, to be honest. I mean, Brandon couldn't struggle me getting on him as a coach, as a as a as a coach, and then come home and 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 he wouldn't come home for dinner, or he'd say, oh, "I'm gonna stay on campus tonight." All right, fine, get over yourself. I don't care. You know, like you better separate the two. And then as he got over and understood that, then we, it, it just became our relationship even grew stronger than it, than it ever was. But uh, we we went through that that transition of it, but in front of the guys, and, and I went through it with him. One thing he did tell me or one thing in our growth together was I, I took for granted how difficult it was for him. And I, that would be my thing I would say to any parent when you're dealing with your child or when you're coaching your child. When your child is in a locker room, particularly when they're younger, it's harder for them because guys are like, all right, are you going to come back and tell your dad what we say here? Or, or, or And, and I, I took that for granted. I took that for I took that for granted, you know, and having him that, you know, having him around. Yeah, be, be, because we, we we know how sacred the locker room is, you know, um, yeah. and I, I can I can understand that. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the locker room is without question, you know, a, a sacred place. And, you know, Brandon did mature through that. And 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 he would often, you know, text me or call me. Yeah. And, and, and we would talk, you know, talk through it. And then I would talk to, to Randolph later and and, and separately. But then you, we we saw it coming together, and then we start. We were on a group chat, Brandon, me, and you know, and Randolph. You know, we would just group chat. But that was after he he started to mature and could yeah. handle it. Could start to could start to handle these things. But the biggest thing, you know, oh, that I saw in that, and and I was I was in it, you know, uh, emotionally invested in it, you know, because I love both of them. Um, and I wanted it to, to be a success. Uh, so, but what I, I saw is uh, Randolph's consistency of how he coached him and then his consistency and how he parented him. There was no inconsistency at all. It was that uh, he was the parent when he needed to be the parent, and he was Randolph was the coach when he needed to, the, to be the coach. And but the biggest thing that was instilled in Brandon at an early age was that work ethic. That anything that you want, right? Anything that you want, if you're willing to sacrifice and put in the work, okay, then you will you can achieve it. And Randolph. And Danny and the Wake Forest coaching staff did not give Brandon anything. I mean, hell, this freshman yep. year he sat behind, you know, Brian, uh, you know, Brian Crawford, okay, and you know, and and on that particular team, and then he continued to work. He put in the work. He put in the work. He put in the time. He had success. He had failures. He went through that whole maturation process, and then the byproduct, the end product, is what everyone sees now. You know, but there was a, a 
uh, instilled in him that a work ethic that if you work hard enough, okay, and you can achieve all of these things. And he did. And the credit goes to the to the to the kid. I the, the credit goes to to Brandon because he he handled that situation. He matured, and then he took the leadership role when it was time to be the leader. But he, I think more importantly, he followed too. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. He learned how to follow before he he eventually became a leader. And 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 I would always say to him sometimes in the mistakes and the growth of all of these kids because they were all mine in the way I look at it. But sometimes when someone you can learn through someone's failures. Yes. And, and as well as your own and, and, and as well as your own failures. And so he we would talk about that. We were like, hey, if you don't like that leadership style, then that's not the way you should lead um, as that transition happens. So, you know what? And, and, and that's a great point. Um, separately, Randolph and, 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 and Odell, we, we've had this conversation that, you know, people often talk about leadership, always talk about leadership, leadership. But we we know that leadership and fellowship are equally important. You know, you got to you got to be a leader. OK. And then when it's time for, to be a leader and then sometimes you have to be a follower and waiting for your opportunity to, to become a leader. Um, and like you said, Brandon learned, you know, through uh, through people's mistakes that when he became a leader, he said, I'm not going to lead that way. You know, when he was a follower. Um, and I, so to your point, I, I, I could not agree with you more. Leadership and followership go hand in hand. You know, knowing the strong men that you two are, I know you don't let a lot of the outside noise uh, influence either one of you. But when 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 you're coaching your child, do you feel like it's easier when when your child is one of the top players on the team or one of the lower players on the roster instead of that kind of middle? Because I saw what, what Tubby Smith went through with, with Saul at Kentucky, and it seems like there's more pressure when your kid may be a third, fourth, fifth best player on the team and, oh, they're playing too much. Or, you know, you know, you, you know what, what, what I'm saying? No, listen, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I, I lived it. You know, I mean, I, I that that transition, it covered so much for any, for anyone or any at any level. I mean, you're talking about when Brandon commits and he comes in, he's one year behind Brian Crawford. And Brian Crawford is a heck of a player. So him, him committing to Wake and coming in, he understood what was already there. He just wanted to be a part of it. I didn't. As again, people all, you know, it's, it's like, hey, Brandon, you got to earn it. My suggestion to you is if you want to play. You might want to be the best defender early on, and that'll get you on the court. Uh, yep. Came out there, he defended, he played. It, it, that was his role, and he embraced it and he took it. So it's always going to be that. And I thought it was on me to have the relationship with everyone else, um, but nothing was given to him. He had, like you said, you have to earn it. I mean, at, at any level, coaches don't play their favorites; they play their best players. They play the players that deserve to play. You know, it's not because, you know, Brand, you know, Brandon didn't start when he got there. Absolutely. And had Brian, Crawford, had Brian Crawford stayed all those years, you, he still would have been there and you would have been back and until your time came. And if you eventually, you know, got got the better of him, then you would have played. If not, you would have been behind him. So it's, uh, it, it, it's just a matter of keeping, like I said, as complicated as everything gets at times with all the outside distractions, um, I learned to respect it. And once I understood what the kid or what he, the young man was going through, I, I it was when I said, hey, you got to block out the noise. And and it was really hard for him because he played at a place where I was hanging in the rafters every day. 
that was the other added component to him. So he's always going to be compared to that. And that was part of my issue with him. And originally he didn't want to come to wake because there was some concerns about that. And I told him, I said, Brandon, the truth is you're going to be, you're going to be Randolph Childress son, no matter what school you play in. The Great point. Always going to be there. So whether you're wearing a wake uniform, you're wearing a, a, a you know, a, a Rhode Island uniform, it does exactly. not matter. You're going to be Randolph Children's son. Embrace it. That's and then right. so when people will always get on them and say, hey, you you weren't as good as your your dad. You know what? And I told him, I said, you know what, Brandon? I said, we're not. it's not an arrogant statement, but I want you to say this. You look at them in the eye and ask them, did they score 2,200 points in college? And did they, they win a conference championship? And did they go to four straight NCAA tournaments? Did they vote where they voted the top 50 players in, the, in that conference? I said, you you asked them, did they accomplish that? And if they didn't, then you're in the same boat with them. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I like that. I, like they, that, I got tired of people I, I couldn't defend him for, but I also got tired of people holding him to a standard that you weren't holding everybody else to. So if you're yep. going to hold to that standard, then you hold everybody else to that standard. I Absolutely. love that. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I that, love and, that. And, and there and there is a parent lesson being taught right there, as well as a coach teaching a player a, a lesson. So there's a di- you know the, the dichotomy that, that that Randolph had to had to had to live in, you know, and had to live out, and he handled it extremely well. Yeah, and you know, listening to, to you too, you know, I, I I'm coming to when it comes to relationships, you know, keeping it simple and being consistent. And I think relationships get complicated yeah, and difficult when we don't do those two things, whether it's with our spouse or our child or our boss or what, whatever it is. Absolutely, <laughs> always going to be there. You know, yep. uh, it's always going to be there, and it's 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 no. And like you said, you said spouse. Well. You know, it, it's one of those things. Do you, uh, you have to learn. So many things are pulling at you, but I got to say, hey, all right, I got to date my wife. I got to take my wife. I got to make sure I'm continuing to date or I got to take her out to eat. Because to a certain so many things come into play. If you don't make the time for it, then it, it just, it just complicates things. And, and like I said, sometimes you just, when things get hectic, you got to simplify it and get back to your basics. And and that comes with a self awareness, you know, uh, knowing who you are, what are your core values, what are your principles are, what mm-hmm. are your what are your negotiables, what are your non negotiable, what are your beliefs, you know. One thing that I, I I have really really you know tried to do is I, I read a poem uh, by Theodore Roosevelt um, called "Man in the Arena," and um, it's such a you know great poem. It was part of a speech, but uh, such a, a great poem um because it talks about you know the outside people <laughs> it talks about daring greatly you know we, we we the business that we're in randolph and i are in and and for that matter oh you know the the, the sports realm too it, there's so many people that tell you what you, you what you could have done better you know the day after the game you know and who you should recruit and who who you and all these different factors and they and they, they they have an opinion so but people who spend their time worrying about the, 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 uh, those type of people instead of the man in the, the arena that's getting his butt kicked on a daily basis. So, you know, that's what you need to focus on is you got to focus on, you know, the things that you can control and, and the things that you can't control. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta 
simplify it by getting it out of the way. And you got to respect the people that are in the arena. If Randolph Childress comes to me and says, hey, you know, how come you guys didn't call the timeout or, you know, how come we didn't run this play? I can respect that because, you know, he's a man, he's, he's in the arena with, you know, he, he's a coach, he's in the arena, he's in there daring greatly and, and he's getting his butt kicked from, you know, time to time, you know, so, but I can respect that, you know, but the people outside, they're outside for a reason. So as we're recording this on April 16th, 2020, uh, we're still in the midst of this global pandemic from coronavirus and COVID-19 and, when when you all got the word that there would be no more basketball, I'd like to know what uh, the scenarios were like and how you communicated with your team because I know you, you both were at different kind of different scenarios. And Randolph, you guys had already gotten gotten a game in in the ACC tournament and and, and probably and not expecting any postseason play. And and Kevin, you guys had not played yet in the A10 and really uh, you know looking to play for something. I mean win that tournament and really solidify your NCAA bid, which I thought would, would have already been, but I know you don't want to take that, take that chance. So first, first Kevin, with, I mean, first Randolph with, with your season pretty much already over. What was that? What was that scenario and communication like when that word came down for, what was it like for, for you and your players? You know, when, when it, when it happened with us, we were, we were headed to spring break. So it was like, hey guys, we came, we went back home, and and we we huddled up with our guys, you know, and and it was like, hey, let us know where you're going, you know, be safe. Uh, but I, I I'd say this, Mike, I was really concerned about it because of the amount of time I spent in my professional career in Italy in a year, and they were ahead of us. So I was getting all the information and everything that was happening over there, and I was scared to death. Because I was hearing and people, they were telling me, you know, it's going viral and you got to have masks. And, and we were at the beginning of it where you don't know what, where we, you know, hell, now you still don't know what to believe. But but really, at that time, you didn't know what to believe, you know, and, and, and you were like, how bad was it? How can you contract it? And so on and so forth. So I was really concerned about that. Um, and with our kids, I mean, everybody, you were like, Hey, be careful. It was new. It's like, you know, as you go home, uh, uh, you know, just be cognizant of this. And so when you're dealing with a bunch of, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kids, I mean, their reaction was, Hey, let's go to the beach. Let's just get away. Let's go hang out. Guys started doing it at the very beginning. And then over the, over the coming days afterwards, it's just got, it, it progressively got worse. And, uh, until we, you know, when everyone got to stay home and, and really understood what we were, you know, the pandemic we were dealing with. Yeah, and Kevin, what was that like with you guys sitting there in Brooklyn? Um, let me, I'm just going to go back a little bit and echo what Randolph said because I, I too have some some friends over <clears throat> in in Italy, um, and but also over in Europe, and then one of my um, host sons is over in China. Um, so I like Randolph. I was getting two different, not two different, but I was getting uh, mounds of information. My wife was actually, and, you know, and so she was translating that to me. Um, so I was just getting so much information coming from China, coming from, from Europe. Um, and yeah, I was very, very concerned And leading up to it. Um, we had my, 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 when I say we, my wife and I, we had made a decision that uh, my daughter and her were not going to come to to the A10 tournament, and, and and it was devastating because you know 
they wanted to come. They were looking forward to it all year. Last year, my daughter, you know, she got totally into it. That's when she jumped into basketball and she was so looking forward and she was heartbroken and wanted to come. But we really had to sit her down and say, this is a very, very serious, potentially a very serious situation. And we got an error on the side of caution and you guys can't come. Uh, <clears throat> and then when we practice, we always practice and then we go to the, to, to uh, we practice at Rhode Island and then we uh, caught the bus and drove the bus down to, to uh, New York. And we, Coach Cox um, was just reading information the whole trip down. And then uh, once we got there, he just said, something doesn't feel right. Just something's just not, not right. And, um, but we, we went on our normal procedure. Everybody went to the hotel and then we came back down and we, and we huddled up as a staff and he just said, I'm just not feeling or everything I'm reading. I'm just not feeling like this is, this is right. So then the team comes in and this is where, um, and Randolph and I had this conversation. This is where, um, there's a huge difference between being a, a leader and being a head coach. David Cox became our, I mean, he's always been our leader and head coach, but he really became our leader right then and there. He, um, he, he addressed the team and told them what the, what, what the, what the schedule was for the rest of the night. Okay. Um, but then he started all of us as a coaching staff and our sports administrators, you know, once the kids left, like, Hey, let's, 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 let's stay and connected. Let's find out as much as we possibly can, what's going on and make sure we communicate that because we have to make a, we have to make a decision. I'm just not you know, feeling really good about this right now. And as the night went on, the NBA shuts down and the leagues are, you know, taking their times here and there. If, if the A-10 had not shut down, I, I'm not so sure that we would have played because Dave really? really stepped up and was, you know, he was, he, he really stepped up as our, our leader. And then once we, we were literally about to start the very next day, we were about to start our uh, total preparation for, for our opponent, which was going to be Duquesne. And it was my scout, but we were great going to our film session. Um, we met as a staff. And he says, hey, this is what I'm finding out from the athletic director, da, 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 A10, da, 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 da. And he, so he shared all that information with us. He, did, he kept our staff totally in the loop and, and asked for our thoughts and opinions and what, what have you heard da, 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 and, all, and all that information. And he, and he processed it all. And he was in constant contact. Okay. Then the, our players came in. Again, he shifted right into head coach and was getting ready to, uh, you know, go right into, you know, hey, let's get ready for Duquesne, um, you know, Coach Sutton. And right before then, our sports administrator came to the back of the room and gave him a signal. And so he paused and he walked out there and he came back in. And that was when they had made the decision that the uh, uh, Big Ten was postponing their tournament. And then then, uh, the A-10 postponed theirs. That was at 1 o'clock. He said, at 1.30, we will be leaving. We left at 1.30. And he showed tremendous amount of leadership and for that we were able to get everyone on the bus back to Rhode Island met the you know met the next day and got them off campus into the into their homes and that was the difference between what a leader does and what a what a you know, what a head coach who's worried about the, the game and worried about playing and worried about the NCAA seeding and and all that different types of stuff he 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 was a leader and for that I'm very very thankful 
And I don't talk politics on this show, but I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say. But that's the difference between being president and being a leader, right? <laughs> president, head coach, hey, hey, those are just titles, you know? Those are just titles. Le- leadership is is really about your character. Uh, it's about putting others first, uh, compassion and empathy, all, all those things. And about integrity. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so what has been communication, what has communication been like now with you all and, and your staffs, as well as you all and, and your players? Um, for I mean, it's it's a lot of Zoom meetings. It's a lot of text messages, a lot of phone calls. Um, and you're just trying your, your, your hardest to stay in constant communication um, with everyone that you possibly can that's that that you like you said your 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 fellow staff members your your academic advisor your trainer your strength and conditioning coach athletic administration we uh we have an athletic all staff meeting uh coming up here next next week um so you're just trying to stay informed and to have the the maximum amount of information possible so that way you can uh, disseminate that information to your team properly, um, so they're not getting their information from, you know. And do it. Uh, uh, these kids are just kids, so they'll do the comparing and contrast things all all the time. You know, it's funny because Randolph and I had this conversation last night, and since our kids are away from us, now the voices that they hear are post. Uh, uh, they're hearing information from their quote unquote inner circle, but that, that inner circle is, is not privileged to the information that Randolph is at Wake Forest and what Wake Forest plans to do going forward or what uh, Rhode Island is planning to do. And so what you see all along, oh, and you continue to see is um, I'm doing what's, you know, what's best for me. And that's, and you see all these kids transferring um, and making these decisions and sometimes those are just knee jerk and emotional decisions because they're not a part of allowing themselves to get the information from the people who have the proper information that can help them make the right decision, the non-emotional decision. Yeah, we're all doing the same thing. I mean, um, you know, having a video meetings, having, you know, conference calls and, and, and constantly uh, uh, we're probably doing it a couple of days a week with our guys and um, with our staff. Um, you know, we're in constant communication, daily communication among coaches. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's changed, changed the way we're doing business. You're watching a ton of film. You're trying to figure out as much information as you can. Um, you're holding out, you know, thinking maybe this, you know, maybe July, there could be some live period you can go out, but you really do not know. And, 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 and right now you don't know how much is, it's going to change. And, and, and I, I do believe that it's changed for, for, for you know, forever. I don't think it'll be the way it was or, or to take a long time to get back to this. I think across the board for everyone, um, it, it's just it's, it, we're approaching something that's unique and different. And, and, and I don't know how it's going to it's going to it's going to be going forward, but uh, it's definitely going to be different. You know, Randolph, I think that's a great point because I think we all need to come out of this better. We're going to come out of it. And right. as 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 institutions, as organizations, teams and individuals, if we don't take this time to get better, I mean, as individuals, uh develop a new skill or a side job or whatever project you've had, you know, that you haven't uh completed. I know I'm getting a lot more podcasts out now. Um, you know, we all got to come out of this better. I saw a quote 
and I can't remember the, the individual's name now, but it's uh, the quote was, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And it's just about using crisis, using time to get better. We, so, uh, Co- Co-Sun, you know this. We talked about this the other day. Uh, you know, initially when it first started, it was like the season ends. It was like, it was great. It was great to have, you know, a little downtime. And then it began, to, <laughs> you know, we, we used to joke about it. And I'd be like, man, next thing you know about it, it's about a, about a third, about a fourth or fifth day. You know, it's kind of, like, you know, you're kind of ready to do something. And then it got to the next week. And man, that honeydew list started kicking in. <laughs> man, I started doing stuff around the house. And I'm Man, you know, initially, because my wife had to continue to work. And then when, when, when the second week, she didn't have to work and we were home. And man, my honeydew list was, it was ridiculous. I can't do anything else in this house. This is, you know, my house is brand new now. I'm, you know, I've done so much work on it. But the best thing I can say about it that we, and, and adding to what, you know, we talked about was it was a great time to self reflect. Yes. It's a great time to self-reflect and and and, uh, and 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 analyze yourself and look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Hey, I need to be better. I want to be better at this. Let's start implementing it." And so, I my schedule hasn't changed. I get up in the mornings. I work mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch film. I'll, I, I, I'll script everything out in the sense of like writing things down about, "Hey, I want to I want to get this done." So I am in, I'm, I'm home, but I'm working as if I'm coming in the office every day um, yes. and, and, and still, you know, reading more. I'm doing all the things that I didn't get a chance to do as much during the season. So every day it's, it's just scripted. If it's saying, OK, I want to read this chapter. I want to you know, I want to watch this half. I want to I'm, I'm dedicating that type of time um, to myself and, and, and to my family to make sure that I am I am. I will be a better person when, when this passes over. Yeah. I mean, and t- t- all, you know, all of those things, I mean, for, for me, I, I'm trying to, um, you know, be more relevant um, in a, in a, in a positive way, um, doing more podcasts, uh, doing more virtual clinics, but, um, and uh, watching more virtual, virtual clinics. I always did that, but I, you know, trying to grow and expand and I'm reading different, you know, books than I, than I normally read. Um, uh, before I would read a lot of leadership books, I read a lot of, you know, self-help books and, uh, and, um, you know, uh, religious, not religious books, but Christian books. And my wife challenged me to, uh, uh, spiritual books. Yes. Um, uh, to challenge me to, okay, choose another, you know, you know, genre. Um, and so with my daughter, you know, she's read, you know, some great books, um, you know, and and so I'm just trying to expand and you know grow in different areas, and I'm trying to make memories with my wife and, and, and daughter so that we we can take pictures. And you know, I sent Randolph a, a video the other day with me dancing, you know, with my daughter, you know, because I want to when this is all over, said and done, and we go back through the, the, the through my camera and through the videos, I want her to see and 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 us to laugh, and you know, it's like oh wow, that was doing the we did we that was during the corona pan, pandemic but i don't want her to have you know a, I, I want to have a positive memory of mm-hmm. of that time versus a a a negative memory uh because this is this is unprecedented man i mean this is you know this is for me being a 55 year old you know man um you know born in 1964 you know so uh when dr king was you know shot you know um you know i was two years old, 
you know, um, when the, the 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 man landed on the moon. These are these are life, you know, you know memories that I that I have. When man, you know, landed on the moon, you know, when uh, Ronald Reagan was shot, nine eleven. Well, this is you know, this is going to be her her moment where she's going to like, hey, I was ten years old when when that happened. You know, um, so I'm just trying to make sure that I'm present uh, when I'm here, um, you know, in every moment. But I do have to do like Randolph, schedule myself and be, you know, you know, uh, departmentalize and compartmentalize the things that I have to do because I I do have a job to to do. So. Well, guys, I want to say this has been just an awesome episode, awesome time with, with you all. And I am so proud of the men you all are uh, beyond uh, coaches, but the men and the parents you all are. And, and, and Kevin, I want to thank you. Uh, you've always been there, you know, for us, Randolph, myself, and so many others uh, of, of, of your living trophies and just the way you live your life has always been an inspiration uh, and I just uh, appreciate you all's uh, friendship very much. Well, I want to I want to say this um, to both of you. Um, you both allowed me the opportunity uh, to be a, a mentor, um, and you you allowed me to 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 pour into you. Uh, the one thing that I've always wanted to do uh, when I got into to coaching and is is to be a ladle uh, that pours into a person's bucket. I never wanted to be the ladle that took the water out of the bucket. And, but in, in order to be that ladle, you, the, the participant, the Odell McCants, the Randolph Childress, they, they have to be open and receptive to a person and allowing that person to, to be a part of their life. And so I'm honored, you know, that both of you are, you know, the men that you've become, you know, uh, and I'm very proud of the minute you've become. And uh, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you for allowing me to, to, to pour into your lives. So uh, where can listeners uh, connect with you all and follow you all? I'll start with Randolph first. Uh, you know what? I, um, it's, it's, I struggle with that. It's not that I do. I know the big thing is social media and I, and I do, I post, I show about my family, but I'm also, it's, it's, it's more, uh, I'm very careful of what I do of my family because so much of it with Brandon is public and, and, and I, and I get that, but I also feel like I have a, you know, I have a wife, I have a daughter. I just feel a, a need of, to protect them. And my wife isn't a big social media person. So I need to do more for my career doing that, uh, which is, uh, our children's 22, our 22 children's on, on Twitter. Um, and I, you know, I, you know, I take the time and I share things like that. Like tonight, we're going to, my son will probably Instagram live our little family card game tonight and on IG. But um, I need to do more of that. You know, we're going to work and we're going to work on that, Randolph. Yeah, we're going to work on that. I'll be the first to admit, I, I do need to do more of that. And I, I need to do a better <laughs> job of what I, you know, what I uh, put out and, and, and being more accessible to that. But, you know, well, and I, also, I just, you know, it, I'm sorry, Randolph. Wait, you know, but with, with me also with the whole social media, and I need to do a better job of it too. Um, I I like to be in the moment that I'm in, and I see people. Oh, let me get this out on Facebook. Let me get this out on Instagram. I'm right. going against what what I want to consult right. people with, right. <laughs> and there and there are right. ways to do it. Right. But I right. I like to just appreciate that moment with the folks I am with. You know, so that what that's what makes it challenging for me. But we're going we're going to help we're going to help you on that. You know what's funny? You said that my son taught me that. 
Well, my youngest son taught me that. And 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 uh, and what I mean by that is is that everyone talks about you know talks about Brandon because you know he plays basketball, um, and, and everyone sees that. <clears throat> my youngest son doesn't play. Um, he struggled with the identity of that. But the one thing that he does, he enjoys the moment of where he is. If it's just noticing, oh man, those, those the trees over there, they're nice, and I'm just walking right past, with, oblivious to everything that's going on. So, so he 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 celebrates the he's the truly gifted one because he enjoys the simplest things in life, and it's just a reminder that you know, yeah, I'm a coach, and I've done these things on a basketball court, and Brandon's doing all these things. My son, who hasn't played, is the one that 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 is so centered and understanding that, hey, it's just the simplest things in life that you enjoy. So it's a constant reminder of that. And I know I got to do more of that, but but I'm at peace with, with you know, understanding that I like to be in the moment. I love it. Yes. And Kevin, where can our listeners uh, follow and, and, and connect with you? Um, on Twitter, it's uh, at Coach Sutton. Um, I have a couple blog sites. One is uh, www. Kevin Sutton Basketball dot WordPress dot com and then www Sutton Sutton's Living Trophies dot com. Uh, but those are places that pe- people can find me on uh, on the social media. Great. I'm going to have those links, including yours, Randolph, in the show notes. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, You all inspire me very much, and I'm sure our listeners uh, will be inspired from this at all. And we're going to do this roundtable again. We have to. Let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to do this again. They need to to expand it. Well, Randolph Childress and Kevin Sutton, thank you for being on Beyond the Whistle. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Whistle. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It's the best way to stay updated on the newest episodes. Beyond the Whistle is a production of McCant Sports, a sports executive search and talent solutions firm. To learn more about McCant Sports, visit McCantSports.com. 